previously on the Simply Human Podcast. He caught my attention because he sort of leaned up. And so my eyes just kind of darted over to him. And he just like, he just farted. Like, <laughs> listen, listen. I'm, it was like, it was like up against the chair. It was like. <laughs> and I, and I kind of like, I kind of looked around like. I mean, he very blatantly did that. I mean, I'm looking around like, is anyone going to say anything? I can do whatever I want yeah. because I'm 70. It's episode 148 of the Simply Human Podcast with your host, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is Brian Miller, magician, speaker, comedian. It's great. Then we'll wrap up... I mean, then it's human to be human. You're doing a great job. You're banging it out. <laughs> then it's another moderate funny edition of Human Being Human with Dylan the Accountant and Rapper Resume of Hidden. Louis, how are you, Rick? I'm great. How are you? Not good. <clears throat> I know you're not good. And I can't. I've been waiting to talk about this for so long uh, since it happened to you. This is like. My wife has the idea that like we go out and do stupid things just so we can talk about them on the podcast, right. which is not true, but it's like our life really is a couple of sitcoms. So <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Texas Rangers, the baseball team, they're in the playoffs. They not totally- not the law enforcement organization. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, good. Thank you for explaining that, Mark. Okay. So, and they did not do well in the playoffs, but yeah. it's the playoffs nonetheless. I went to the game. I took my brother and I took my dad, our, our dad, uh, to the game for his birthday present. And Mark ended up driving in from Abilene to go to the game. And we didn't know this until like the night before. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's meet up or whatever. So we met up at the game. I uh, last episode I talked about how I should have pulled your pants down, but I didn't. Right. But, we talked. Uh, about a good time was had by all at the game. I love going to baseball games with my dad. Huh. This is so horrible because he has a handicap tag on his truck. <laughs> and I have you, I've been to four games with him this year. And you gosh. park 30 feet from the entrance. 30 feet. That's it. And it's the same price as everything else. So uh, we are like, oh, yeah, dad, why don't you come with us so we can get the cheap, uh, the super close parking. So we parked in the handicap spot. We, we all met at my office because I had to go in and, and, and look at case files in the morning. But then we met at my office and I got changed and we – Went to the game and talked to the handicap and everything was great. It was $20 to park there. And then we went back to the office and uh, I got my car and we went home. And a great time was had by all. Yeah. And then I get a text from Mark. Okay. So I mean, I was to say this. When, when all this happened, I tried to be very calm about it. And I had like let it go. And then I've, I've like unlet it go because of like you. Like you were like, no, you can't. Okay. So here's what happened. So I have gone to many Rangers games, bragging montage, and uh, I always, there is a Whole Foods about, I don't know, a couple miles, three miles north of the stadium, right north of I-30 in Arlington. I, I can't tell you how many times, like when me and Jackson went to a World, uh, a World Series game, or maybe it was a, a, an ALCS game a few years ago, we did this, like we, he did it with me. Hmm, mark that. Uh, Blake Lewis, who's been on the show many times, like we've gone to Rangers games and we have done this. Dylan has and I have gone to a game. The guy's going to be on Humans Being Human. Like we've done it. I've done this countless times. I go to Whole Foods. It's in a shopping center. I parked in the back of the parking lot. I ran in and ate lunch, and bought some 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 man- some dried mangoes for the for the game. A little snack instead of eating a hot dog. Oh man, I ate a bunch of hot dogs. Yeah, I bet you did. Um, and then, uh, my, even chew them. I just unhinged my jaw. <laughs> <I just went laughs> <in there. laughs> they were those mega like foot long hot dogs too. Um, so my dad, I took my dad to the game as well. I like going to the game with my dad, uh, because my mom will drive us and he'll, she'll just drop us off at the curb. Uh, so we also, uh, just don't have to walk. Um, so, hey, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so simply who would podcast is advocating trying to minimize walking in a baseball game. <laughs> so my mom picks picks me up with my my dad's in the car. They pick me up from Whole Foods. I get in the car with them, and we go to the game. She drops us off at the curb. We go to the game. I see you. You don't put my pants down, which is a really a sh- shame. And then uh, we in retrospect, this would have been like <sighs> the icing on the cake for yeah, the day. But anyways, so then. Uh, I come out of the game. We like walk away from the stadium, and my mom like finds us in the traffic. We get in her car. They take me back to the Whole Foods. They they let me off at the curb. I tell them goodbye. I walk into Whole Foods. By this time, it's about four thirty. I go in. I I eat 
I get groceries. I have like two sacks worth of groceries. These are key elements to remember, folks. Yeah. Mark has gone into Whole Foods two different times and spent money. I have I have spent probably sixty dollars total at Whole Foods. Maybe more. As I, add that to the yeah. month. Well, I had it, we needed things. We needed groceries for the you know, so I got groceries that we needed. And it's it's Whole Foods. There's some things there that my wife enjoys that we don't have in Abilene, so I got her some of those things, eggplants and things, and uh, organic. And I come out. I, my parents have been gone for 20 minutes because I went in and ate and took my time. And I have my two little sacks of groceries, little paper Whole Foods bags, and I'm walking out to my car, and I get out there, and my car is gone. It is okay, gone. what's the first thing you thought of when that happened? My when car, there, no- OMG, someone stole my car. <laughs> Uh-oh. Do you hear that? You don't hear that? My brother-in-law is trying to FaceTime me. Ryan Barker, this this like handsome man. Super sexy. Alive. Yeah. Man. God. Someone has someone has stolen my car. What the heck? And I'm sitting there going, I'm like, I'm gonna have to call the cops. All these things are running through my head, and then I go, Oh my oh my gracious. I look up and there's like a posted sign on way up high on the on the street lamp light that says unattended vehicles will be towed at owner's expense call this number da, 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 da. and i was like you gotta be kidding me my car got towed and i was like i was like holding up my bags to the if there were cameras you know like i have i have groceries like yeah i, I parked here for the sole purpose i could have parked anywhere i would have paid 20 bucks for parking but i wanted to go to whole foods twice no you uh Let's all be very honest hey, here. I am serious. With, I, I, I'm siding with you, listen, but honesty but, is the best policy. Okay. You I, thought you could do both. I, hey, I'll park way far out in the parking lot. Hey. I won't even notice it. I'll shop here. I'll leave my car here to save $20, and then I'll come back, and it's fine. But here, done it several times. Let me tell you my original plan. I had $20 cash in my pocket, bragging montage. I got specifically for parking. I was going to meet them at Whole Foods. My dad was going to get in the car with me. We were going to go park and walk in, but he didn't want to walk. And oh, yeah. It's okay, so it's your dad's fault. Yes. You just blame Steve while you're at it. <laughs> so, and it's, and it's, so I, I'm like, what do I do? So I call the place, and I'm like... I, I, the towing I, place? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I've patroned the, the shopping center throughout the day. I spent some time with my parents this afternoon. It, you None know, of these are lies. None of these are lies. Right. This is all very true. Yeah. Maybe a slight lie by omission, but well, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's like, yeah, your car's here. You know, you got to come here to get it. There's no, we're not bringing you your car, you know. So I'm like, well, how do I, how do I get there? And she's like, I don't care. You just got to get here. So I, I, oh, so I Uber <laughs> to the place. And as I'm, I don't know, I'm like telling the Uber driver the story and he's like firing me up. Like the whole time we're driving, he's like, "Man, you cannot stand for this. You got this." You know, you know why he's firing you up? Because, and I'll admit, uh, I'm siding with you on this. This is total horse s. Yeah. So by the time it's you know 20 minute drive because of traffic, it's we're still in the game traffic, you know, and it's game two of the ALDS. And it's like a big game. A lot is sold out and all that. So I get to the thing. He lets me off, and I'm like all fired up. I'm like going to go up there and give him a piece of my mind. And I get, I walk. I turned towards the, like the towing place. There are I counted. There were twenty five people standing Man. in line. They have it where they have fire, it where only like fire me up on towing companies. Well, they they, they have it where only two people can go inside because they don't want a bunch of people in the lobby screaming and yelling. Yeah, so, having a huge riot and burning the place right. around. And so, like two people are inside, and there's twenty three people standing in line, and all, every one of them has a Rangers shirt or hat on. They all pulled a Mark Rogers. Although, man... I'm holding two Whole Foods we'll, we'll, we'll get to this point in a second. Um, continue with your story. I'm sorry. Okay, so... And I was all fired up. The Uber guy had got me fired up. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, avenge this. You know, this I've been wronged. And an hour and a half that I sat there, because it takes a long time, watching every one of those people pitch the biggest fit and yell and cuss at the people behind the thing and yell and cuss at the guy that's like, you know, working the gates to get you back in the yard where your cars are. By the time I got to the front, I was the second to last person. There was one lady behind me. And I was like, 
I didn't even, I was like, I, the first, I, I said, is it matter that I went to Whole Foods like twice? And she was like, no. And I was like, I was like, okay. And I just handed it That's unbelievable. Yeah. Because, well, at that point, at that point, to her, from her perspective, my car is in their lot. So they, they sent a truck out, which, which is money for them, you know? So like, it's a genius hold, business they, model. They hold all the cars. They yeah. have your car. What are you going to do? Yeah. Not car. And they're not just going to say, oh, you have a Whole Foods receipt. Okay. Here's you, here's your car. You know, like they've they have incurred expenses going to get your car, where they could have been going. Okay, you know let's what I'm all saying? walk back a little bit. They have incurred some minor expenses. Well, no, if it potentially load up a car. potentially two hundred and eighty bucks, but that's how much it costs. And if that's and not if, how much it costs to do it, though, it costs well, them no, like but penny. If, but let's say they're going to give me a, a freebie. They could have been going and getting somebody not a freebie, and that's two hundred eighty bucks yeah, in their I pocket. See, I see your point. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so then like I, I'm texting you guys and I, like when I was, you when know, I, we are laying it on thick, like we are not letting Mark off the hook. Well, he is so then Mark is like raging. Well, it is, and this, you know, you know, when I, angry. when I left the conversation and got really mad, it's, it's when I was in the car with the Uber driver and he was firing me up by the time that I like got done with the whole process. Then I was like. Add me back. I'm I'm totally I'm fine. You know, like it was it was cool. Uh, left the group conversation because we were because oh. says he says parts of the story and I was like, yeah, good job, idiot. You yeah. left your car in a private parking lot. Uh, why don't you just park at the game? And he's like, I shot it. I didn't know you'd spent money there. But yeah. then so Mark gets so inflamed. Yeah, I was so mad. Like an hour later, he's like, mm, you can add me back. Fine, <laughs> so and then, so here's the deal. I call Whole Foods the next day and they're like, hey, sorry, that happens a lot. We can't do anything about it. It's the owners of the, it's the building owners. I have an attorney friend look up, bragging montage, look up who owns the building. It's the, uh, like the Abbott brothers or the Riley brothers. I think it's the Riley brothers in Alito. I Google. Suburb of Fort Worth. Yeah, I Google the number. I call them first thing, like last Monday morning. And I, I explained the whole situation, and she was very nice. But it, it, here's the genius of it: she's like, "Yeah, sorry, we don't have any. We don't have your money to refund. The towing company has your money, and if you call the towing company, they give you this PO box in Austin to send a letter or a, a grievance. Like that's gonna do anything. So it's like that. You're just yeah. It's just like all right, there you go. I'm out. This is complete garbage because what happens is these. Uh, these private parking lots, uh, apartment complexes do it too. They contract with a, a particular tow company and say, hey, we want you to drive around our lot. And This is uh, like a Arlington complex. abandoned vehicle is who this yeah, is. Like, like with uh, – like in apartment complexes, a lot of – they'll do it for like cars that don't have like the permit sticker for the complex or whatever. Or some of them, if they're marked like head-end only parking and somebody backs into the space, they'll tow them for that too. But like they put the onus – Oh, what did I say that right? What I'm sorry, the anus. The anus yes, is on the, the towing anus. company yeah. to drive around the lot, and just if one meets the requirements, they just hook it up and go. They don't call the complex or the business like, "Hey, we got a, a silver uh, Mustang out here. Do we need to tow this off?" No, they just, oh yeah, tow as many cars as you want for whatever reason. And my point is that like everything has to be defined. And that yours got towed because it was unattended in their parking lot. Well, what happens when you just go to Whole Foods to buy groceries? You your car is unattended. Car, you walk inside. It's unattended. And so for all intents and purposes, that's what you did. Yeah. You parked your car in their lot. You walked inside, gave their business money, and came out, basically, and uh, there was no car. That's ridiculous. Yeah. This is absolutely, this is the most George Costanza thing ever to happen. I can't right. believe this wasn't addressed here, on the here, Here's what we're going to do. This is insane. Uh, we're going to draft an email to enforcement at tdlr.texas.gov. I was just going to some, drop some law on you. TDLR, the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation, is the one that handles uh, private towing, private uh, lot towing. Because what they're doing is everyone involved in this is passing. The, oh, no, we can't. You have to call the property right. property manager. Oh, you have to call the towing company. Oh, no, you have to call Whole Foods. It's just like when we moved from Oklahoma, we had paid some people to load up a, like one of those ABF, like Freightliner, like, a, like a, a railroad cart, basically, with all of our stuff. And then they that company moved it down. So a different company loaded the truck, then moved it. And when we got to, to Texas, a bunch of our dining room furniture was destroyed. 
And we called the moving company. They're like, oh, it must have been the Packers. And we called the packing yeah. company. And they're like, oh, it must have been the movers. And we have no idea who did it. So there's just no way you can reach satisfaction with that. But you, my friend, can email or call a complaint to TDLR. And this is ridiculous because it costs you $280. And uh, I know that uh, people on this who listen to this show are probably a variety of positions on the socioeconomic specter spectrum. Some people are probably have quite a bit of money. Some people probably don't, whatever. I don't care who you are or how much money you make. That's a bunch of money unless you're a millionaire. $280, if something happened right now and I had to pay $280, I would be, like, it would ruin my whole weekend. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was a tough pill to swallow. I'll tell you that. Let's do this. Look, enforcement at tdlr.texas.gov, subject... We should have all the Simply Human listeners blast <sighs> TDLR with this. Well, should I say, it was? should the subject be wrongly towed? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so, okay, good afternoon. Dra- draft me an email that's going to get me my money back. Me or a human? You. Let's do it. Let's draft right it right now? now. Yeah. Good afternoon. Comma. Okay. Space. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I don't know where you people get off. No, that won't do me any good. I'm going to draft an email. I'm going to write an email and explain what happened. Listen here. I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> Tell them that you're a taxpayer. That always goes over well. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be. Su- I'm going to draft an email. And I'm going to be super nice about it, and we'll talk about the email, and we'll we'll update the listener because we need to get to the interview with Brian. But uh, we will. Uh, we I will update. Uh, you on the status of Mark's wrongly to, and if you have a strong opinion on this, either way, because I guarantee there's going to be humans who are like, no, Mark, you're an idiot. Yeah. You screwed up royally, and I, I think Mark understands at this point that he screwed up, but. It's the principle of the matter. He spent money at the business. They offer the parking lot for people to do that. Yeah. So send us an email, simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com, simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. You can tweet Mark at, at simplyhuman52. Yes. Or snap him at snap, in, simplyhuman52. Snapchat me. You can snap him at simplyhuman52. You may go to our Facebook page. By the way, we're like stuck right around 2,400 likes. Really? We to talk about this more. Like, uh, let's get over that 3,000 like platform. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Folks, if you listen to the show and you have a Facebook, which is everybody, just take a second. Once you go over there, once you hit the like button, it makes nothing from you, but it gives me a tremendous sense of worth because this is all I care about. Awesome. And you've already done the thing, so we're just going to go straight and you can in. you also call us at 530-42-HUMAN. And yes. if you have a good... Uh, we, we haven't done this in a while. If you have a good Humans Being Human story, please yeah. add us. And we would love to, uh, to include you with our, our program. Yes, program. Uh, the Diabetes Podcast. Um, all right, let's get to our interview with Brian. We talked to him about uh, Rick's background in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very funny yeah. bit. Like. Brian's background, magic as a pickup line. Brian's TED Talk, remembering people's names, all the perspectives, and learning people's stories here from Joining us on the Simple Human Podcast, so excited. The very few times you see someone uh, that you feel like is, you know, pretty famous. I don't know, two million plus talks on a YouTube video. I would say that's pretty. That's a pretty famous person, and you reach out to them thinking they're going to either ignore you or give you the like a, a virtual uh, bird back. But I'm Brian, just fax, fax you a photograph yeah. of their middle. Finger. Yeah. So Brian Miller. Uh, wrote back and he's on the show he's a private event entertainer and keynote speaker for over 10 years he's performed for thousands of audiences in 30 states and 5 countries Brian thank you so much for doing this hey it's such a pleasure thanks for having me so we're going to talk about your background a little bit but I feel like you have a background in in stand up comedy Rick also has a background in stand up comedy Rick would you mind telling us about your uh, stand up comedy background I would love to tell you all about that. I won the, the Mr. Comedian Award uh, eight summers in a row at Iron Springs Christian Camp. That was uh, based primarily because during the talent show, I would do a stand-up comedy routine every single year of jokes that I stole from The Tonight Show. I came up with zero original material whatsoever. I just uh, wrote down a lot of jokes uh, that, uh, that, they, that they told, and I told them, and uh, people thought that I was very funny. I'm actually an idiot. Give us, uh, give us uh, like one or two of those zingers, Rick. Do you remember any of them? I don't know. There were some of them probably about like uh, elephants. Oh, let's just uh, guy, this guy George 
George W. Bush, I mean, <laughs> what's that all about? <laughs> or like, uh, what's the deal with airline peanuts? That was probably a big, uh, big player in those. those <laughs> routines, so, what yeah. about uh, uh, there's something about elephants in the refrigerator. Do you remember that? I do not remember that. One of your jokes had to do with <laughs> had to do with elephants in the refrigerator. Brian, Rick, and I have known each other since we were like twelve years old. Uh, so yeah, we there are things we know about each other that I guess the other one has forgotten about. So uh, well, let's get on to Brian, uh, shall we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brian, give us yeah, what is your background? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, and uh, I hope that you guys can hear me okay. It's been cutting in in and out a little bit on my end. For anybody listening, I'm in a hotel in the middle of nowhere like I usually am uh, on tour right now. So hopefully it doesn't cut in and out too much. Um, my background, I mean, I, yeah, I, I started doing magic when I was a kid, you know, four or five years old, like any kid does. They got a magic kit. Um, you know, I, my dad and my grandfather were both magic lovers. They were magic enthusiasts. And so they introduced me to it at a very, very young age. My dad always did tricks for me and my friends when they came over to the house. And that probably would have embarrassed a lot of kids, but I loved it. My friends loved it. My dad was always doing tricks for us. So, um, and then I, I, I started to take it more seriously or, you know, through middle school, uh, it sounds silly to say, you know, I took it seriously in middle school, but started getting more into really learning the art and the sleight of hand. And then, um, I was 13 or 14 years old, somewhere around there, and a local youth group offered to pay me to come do a show for them. And uh, I always describe that as my light bulb moment because I had, it had never occurred to me you could get paid to do magic until that moment. And so when I was 16 years old, I founded my business legally, and it's literally all I've ever done. I, uh, so before I that, before that were you... Uh, with it, I, I, I have uh, two degrees that I've never used. <laughs> and um, and I just kept doing magic, and it's it's taken me all over the world, and it's been a real a real uh, a real pleasure and a real um, a real honor for me to be able to do that. So, so before you uh, set up your business legally, were you doing illegal business? Is that <laughs> yes, uh, technically I suppose. <laughs> Although before you're 16, I'm not sure they call it illegal. <laughs> they, oh, okay, they, so they just like, call it cash. You're like yeah. Did you're you, like, uh, did, did you have the proper permits, and did you uh, fill out a 1099 uh, for that yeah, and a no. W two? <laughs> Hmm. Well, uh, you know, you know, but I'm going to contact the IRS about you and owe them some money. You know what? You you can go take take the magician for all his deep pockets. Go for it. Hey, you'll never you'll never find the cash. He'll just continue like he like miss. Hey, here's a quarter. Here's a quarter. Oh, you you think you see it, but you don't. Yeah, and then then they like they just grab you, put handcuffs on you. Did magic help you get girls? That's what I would like Ooh. to know about this. That would <laughs> be a really terrific way to like break the ice and be like, oh, this is an interesting guy here. You know, it, it, it's a good question, and I can, always, I can understand <laughs> where people are coming from when they ask that question, but imagine, imagine that you're at a party or in a bar and you walk up to a girl and you just go, hey, want to see some magic? And think about how well that would go. Uh, <laughs> it really... It, it really, it really does not uh, help. At least, I mean, some guys, but the guys that are magicians that that they're able to pick up girls with magic, um, those are the guys that could pick up girls anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the magic just makes them a little bit more quirky or a little bit more interesting. Yeah. But um, like, like David, I mean, David I, Copperfield, he's a real catch. Yeah. Other than the, the magic. <laughs> well, David Copperfield like is one of the wealthiest people on the planet. He's got something else going for him. Oh, true. <laughs> So, um, well, no, I mean, I, I really never used magic to, um, uh, not that I didn't want to when I was younger, but I really never, never used it to, uh, to do that. And I, um, and luckily I, I met, uh, Lindsay, who is now my wife. I met her on a blind date originally. And, um, turns out she loved magic and I thought she was full of it because who loves magic? What are the odds? <laughs> you know, I, I had, nobody loves magic, you know, and <laughs> people are interested by magic, but but she she loved it and she she really totally embraced it and embraced my career and what I did and um, came with me. I mean, she got she's been to way more shows than anybody ever needed to. I told her real early on when we were dating after she came to one show, I said, just so you know, that's it. You don't have to ever come to the show again. <laughs> that's the whole thing. For a living. Yeah. It's my job. Yeah. Right. I was like, it's my job. You don't need to ever feel you're never obligated to come to a show ever again. It's just my job. You know, that's what I do for a living. I happen to love it, but it's but she's come to so many shows she's come on tour with me she's done all kinds of things Brian Rick's made. Rick is a cop and so Rick this would be like if Anna went on a ride along with you like every day 
Imagine. She went on one ride along and she fell asleep uh, halfway through the middle of it. But I think you're selling yourself short, Brian. I think lots of people love magic. Yeah. I think Pat Riley loved magic. I think uh, James Worthy was a fan of magic. I think, uh, you know, Michael Thompson. But this is probably the different magic. And there's why I'm not a good stand-up comedian. Do you see, do you see where he's going, listeners? He was naming off all of the old 80s, the 80s Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. So uh, you said James Worthy, didn't you? I did say James okay. Worthy, yes. Just yeah. making sure you said that one, Rick. See, I had a, a like you mentioned. You get a little magic kit. Like I feel like oh, that. You guys still there? I'm losing you. Yeah, no, we've got you. We've got you. Um, they uh, they sell those things like crazy. The little magic kits, like the beginner magic kits, and I had one, and it had like three balls in it to like juggle with. <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't juggle. I tried for like five minutes to juggle, and I was like, Ah, screw this, screw this magic crap, and I just like threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's let's talk about your TED talk because I, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it. It might have just been I, I, I watch a lot of TED talks because I'm super smart uh, and, and intelligent. And uh, so it, YouTube was like kind of giving me a uh, you know recommended deals or something. I don't know, but I watched it, and it's just the magic at the beginning is incredible. And then there's like a really good message at the end. And I actually played it for uh, some college students. Uh, made them about 50 college students. I made them all watch it um, because I think I, you know there's a part where you get a little I got a little choked up when you start talking about the the guy's wife at the end. Um, so let's talk about I, you know I don't want to like obviously you can go watch the TED talk if anybody's listening to this and I'll have the link in the show notes. But let's talk a little bit about the genesis of that talk, kind of where it it came from and sort of the process. Sure. Yeah. Well, th- I appreciate the the compliments and the kind remarks about it. Um, I've been you know really genuinely humbled. Um, and, you know, I know, I know you hear, you know, people say that and stuff, but I, it, it really, it really was incredible what the reaction, um, because I didn't, I, I hoped it would do well and that it would spread, but you don't really expect it to, you know, you hear about videos that go viral and stuff and you don't really expect it to happen. And, and it caught, actually it didn't, it didn't go viral immediately. It, 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 it almost died out completely after one week and, and it picked up out of nowhere. So it was not, um, any, but, any like um, um, uh, explanation for that? Like, as you're sitting there watching the views, and it's up to a hundred, two hundred, five thousand, and then it kind of levels off, and then like it's at five hundred thousand. Like, what? What do you know? Like, what the kind of the tipping point was? Yeah, oh, I, I can tell you because it it's very vivid in my memory. Um, I when it hit YouTube, I that day I had already set up in advance for my email list and everybody that is connected with my business and fans and clients and everything. So it automatically went out to, I mean, for me, what's that about three or 4,000 people in all total between fans and clients. So, yeah. so it went out to three or 4,000 people, about a thousand of them watched it on day one. So day one, I hit a thousand and you know, like uh, I remember Simon Sinek, one of the most famous Ted talks of all time, Simon in an interview, he said, I exhausted my Rolodex in 10 minutes. Same thing. I, and you know, so that was it. Thousand views, everybody I'm connected with. And then it died. That was it. And for two weeks, it sat on about a thousand. It gained another couple hundred, maybe. But that was it for two weeks. And I was like, "All right, well, three months of prep, all that work. I'm glad I delivered something I'm proud of. But that's it. It's over." And all you know. And then um, two weeks later, Lindsay's sitting on the couch, and she looks over at me, and she goes, "Hey, you didn't tell me your talk hit two thousand views." And I was like, "What?" And and I looked back, and it was at two thousand. And the next day, it was at twenty five hundred. And then it was at 4,000 and then it was at 10,000 and all of a sudden it started climbing and it started climbing astronomically. And within a couple of weeks after that, it was over a hundred thousand views. And once it hit a hundred thousand, I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm, it could go no further. And I'm thrilled because that's, that's legitimate. Yeah. That's a legitimate amount. I can use that. I can promote it. I can, you know, I can, I can make this you know work for my career. And, um, and then it just kept going and, and it hit, half a million. And, um, and then within six or seven months, it hit 1 million uh, views. And, and, uh, and, and again, milestone for me that I was like, that's it. I'm done. You know, it hit a million views. There's very few that have ever done that in terms of TEDx talks. There's over 50,000 TEDx talks online and very few of them have over a million views. And then within about a year, maybe it was a year, just over a year mark, um, it hit 2 million. And, um, it's, it's you know I mean I haven't checked views in a while because at some point after it's over two million you're like well who cares anymore? You know, you, I thought you I did it you know yeah I thought you were gonna say uh, yeah I was sitting there one day and Lindsay called over to me he's like oh, Brian your computer's melting uh, what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, you know what though, I did start getting all, even after the first five or ten thousand, I started getting calls from strangers, from people um, all over the world. I mean, I literally started getting calls just after ten thousand views from from people that were like, "I saw your talk, and I just wanted to let you know how much it meant to me and how helpful it was." And it was it was you know like right away it was like, "Wow, okay." I even if it never goes any further, I did it. I did yeah. something that mattered. You know. So. Well, Rick, let me tell you, and I, I want you to watch the video, Rick, because I know you have it, yes. but. This video, it's got 2 million views. It's obviously like a, an amazing talk, right? I mean, that, that sort of qualifies it as an amazing talk. I don't know, and I think we've emailed about this, Brian, but I, the, the audience, like Brian is yeah. like, like dropping these bombs, and, like, and people are just like... <laughs> I mean, it's like the worst crowd ever. Like, I could not even believe it, how bad the crowd was. I'd like, I'd like, to, respond, I'd like to respond to that, though. Okay. So... So because I, I will say that that is probably uh, right after, you know, thank you so much, you know, for what you did. And this really helped me after those com- comments, the, probably the number one comment I get is, man, what a terrible crowd. That's what <laughs> almost everybody says to me. And so here's here's the background on that. They weren't a terrible crowd. And I keep trying to tell people yeah, that they were actually you're defending your crowd. crowd. Yeah. And I and I am. And then the reason is this. It was a, a TEDx conference held at a high school and run by high school students. First uh, of all. So okay. it was extraordinary. The fact that they put on because you have to go through a real process to get a, to be allowed to get a license to do a TEDx conference. You don't just get one because you want to. Right. It's a real process. And because Ted, you know, the organization really cares. It's not like you just you, you just have to you have a have a guy named Ted. At your school, yeah, no, <laughs> more than a little that? bit more than window. It's my time slot. I mean, I mean, you do have to have a guy named Ted, yeah. but that's not all. Um, and then, and then, so this was um, an audience of eighty or a hundred high school students who have been told now they've been told all day this is a TEDx conference that is being filmed, and these will be seen all over the world. Don't screw it words, up. They've, yeah, they've been told you must be quiet courteous and respectful and they've been doing it for six hours already by the time i hit the stage now by that point they held it together good lord like uh if you had me that in high school it would have been like well when am i going to make the fart noise with my arm (laughs) right and so these these kids they first of all they've been told over and over you got to be quiet courteous and respectful basically because this is this is on film we got a three camera shoot i mean this is the real deal and on top of that um, everybody's going up and just doing, you know, traditional TEDx talks, kind of just talking. They're up there and they're just talking. And and then I come up and I'm an entertainer. Now I'm doing a, a talk that has content and meaning, but I'm also using funny stories. I'm also using interaction. I'm also using live magic demonstrations. And in the middle of that conference where they've been just sitting and listening, and that's what they're supposed to do quietly – it was a hard gear for them. I could see, I could see on their faces that they were loving it because you can't see that on the video. Yeah. I could see their faces. And the truth is this, they couldn't tell if they were allowed to laugh or clap because they were afraid oh. to be, make any noise. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And, and that's what happened. And it's really hard to explain that to yeah. anybody without going into the whole story, yeah. but they were a really great crowd because afterwards, that whole audience, they were, they, we went to lunch break for the conference immediately after I finished my talk. I was the last one before lunch, which I was initially worried about because that's when people are really hungry. And, and, yeah. uh, and we went right to lunch and, and so many of those students instantly swarmed me to come tell me their story and how it, and how it connected with them. And so they were a great crowd, but, um, yeah, they were trying to be quiet. Well, so. and, and also Rick, when you watch the video, the background is like a bunch of like red Dixie cups. Oh. And, oh. and so uh. w- when I when I first watched it, and I'm I don't you know I haven't seen all the talks from that deal. I thought you were gonna like turn around at the end and do something crazy with the Dixie cups, <laughs> but it was just part of the it was just the background. So were so those the students? <laughs> we sh- I showed up to the rehearsal, the dress rehearsal, the night before the conference, and I saw that they had clearly spent a lot of time yeah. building this structure of, of red solo cups um, <laughs> that was meant to be the background. And they did it because they were red and the Ted X, you know, the Ted you know, logo is red and everything's yeah. red for Ted. And, and, and so they had done that and I was staring at it and all of them, they're just students. And the rest of these speakers, they're not professional speakers. And usually 
you know, these people who are speaking, they have something interesting to say in their content area, but they're not professional speakers. And so I was a unique person because I make a living on stage. That's what I do. And so the first thing I did was I saw those cups and I thought that ba- that's going to look terrible as a background. I knew it immediately because I'm a performer. I yeah. know a background and how that affects the audience. And, um, it, when my talk first started going viral, there was a Reddit thread that actually really boosted it. It got like 20,000 views in one day from a Reddit thread. And on, on Reddit, one of the biggest comments on the thread that got so many upvotes was TEDx cups. Somebody said. I have some TED, some TED related questions. You okay. my inquiry on this. Hi there. My name I is Chris and I'm the coach. I've watched many TED talks about a variety of different topics. But you said earlier, and you just mentioned it again, that uh, there's a lot of preparation involved ahead of time, and there's like a screening process or something. What is that? I just assumed, you know, oh, yeah, this guy's uh, got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, Why don't you come up and uh, give your speech? And there we go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that I'm happy to talk through the kind of the, the process there. So first, the difference between, a lot of people don't know the difference between TED and TEDx. Um, it kind of gets, that distinction gets blurred. Yeah. TED just TED, that's the TED, that refers to TED Global, which is the once a year annual mega conference that literally, if you want to attend it, costs over $8,000 a ticket to attend. So Rick and so I will be going next year. Yeah, I'll take right. two. I'll take two. Take a so, that's, so that's TED Global, and they, they're inviting the people, the, the people that they're invited to speak at TED Global um, are usually people who are at the very top of innovation in their field, right? These are the people talking about, you know, I'm an uh, astronomer and I've discovered a new solar system. You know, they're those people. And, um, and here's how we're going to solve the energy crisis. It's those people. Um, and TEDx is for independently organized events by communities. And the way it works is any community anywhere in the world can apply for a TEDx license. And so it can be like, you'll see like TEDx Denver, like the town of Denver, the community, you know, they decided to put on a TEDx and you have to apply to TED. And what you have to get from them is you have to tell them what the theme of your conference is going to be. TEDx conferences, the independent ones that are run by communities, like the one I was at, they have to have a theme. So every speaker who comes in has to talk about something from their field related to the theme of that conference. The problem with that is that the theme never makes it to these videos. You don't ever know the theme of that particular conference. Yeah. Um, and so the theme of ours was illusion versus reality. That was the theme of our conference. Now, so we had people like we had a, um, um, like a Zen Buddhist professor that talked about how Buddhism relates to illusion versus reality. We had a yoga instructor uh, relating um, to it. We had a, 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 a former professional athlete who's now a, a coach at a high school relating to it, all relating to the topic of illusion versus reality. So when you're at one of these local independently organized ones, it's really cool to see a whole bunch of different topics talked about in relation to the same theme. Um, but when, if you get approved, and if you are approved once, you are not guaranteed a license again next year. You have to go through the same process from the start. There's no guarantee. Yeah. Um, and so TED really is a global organization. Even though these are independently organized, they must adhere to the strict rules, guidelines, and, um, and you know, the prestige of TED. They have to adhere to that or they don't get to do it again. Yeah. Um, my, uh, yeah, so, my, my, so, you had to, so you had to wear pants, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, he wore you suits. did have to wear pants. You did. Yeah, oh. so uh, my ACU, Rick, did a TEDx talk or a TEDx event a few years ago, and that's what Jeff, my brother, did. And it has um, 2,800 views, which is uh, pretty, it's just pretty good. It's not, <laughs> not oh, yeah. 2 million. Oh, it is? Yeah. It is, though. <laughs> Well, hey, let's let's talk just quickly. I don't want to like I don't want you to tell the story in the talk about the the dinner and the guy and the thing. But let's talk about. Uh, I think it's important. Like the message was listening to people. That's what I was trying to get through to the college kids that we talked to. Don't just like when you're talking to somebody, like you're you know you're just like waiting for them to stop talking so you can say what you're gonna say. Like I really have a problem with that. Talk talk about that yeah. concept of like listening to people and and really trying to understand, and that's how we connect. Yeah, yeah. So 
so the the overarching theme of my talk, and it's the same theme that I do, you know, full. It, it was in a very very abbreviated version of what my full speeches are as a keynote speaker for corporations, and also as a youth motivational speaker. And I speak to colleges and high schools um, all the time. Um, and so what you're saying, that's my audience. I mean, I speak to college kids, high school kids, occasionally some seventh eighth grades in middle school about how to make better, more meaningful connections with the people in your life. And in my speeches, I always use live magic demonstrations and funny stories to help them remember, to keep them interested. Um, but it's all about how magicians have learned to take on other people's perspectives in order to create the magic. Because magicians, we can't see the magic because we know how the trick works. We have to approach it from looking at it from the audience's perspective. And when you take that same concept and you apply it to just ordinary interactions in real life, um, it really drastically improved um, the quality of my life and my friendships and my relationships with people in business and in my personal life. And so um, one of the best concepts is this idea of listening to understand, not just listening to respond or to reply. And it's not my idea. This concept's been around for a long, 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 long time. Um, but it's been said in a lot of different ways. And it's actually going around as a meme lately on Facebook. I've seen it going around as a meme. It's an old idea. Um, and I, it was just my way of approaching it um, via, via my experience as a magician. But the idea is when you're listening to people, like you said, so often we're listening to them and we're just staring at their lips, right? We're just waiting. We're just thinking of something clever for us to say. And so the second their lips stop moving, we can jump in and say our thing. And you catch yourself doing it all the time. It's like I say in the talk, I say, have you ever asked for somebody's name and instantly forgotten what it was? And we all have. And the reason you forget people's names usually right away is because while they're telling you your name, you're thinking about how you're going to say yours. You're not actually listening to them tell you their name at all. And so what I tell uh, students, young people, you know, teens, young adults, I'm always going on about how you need to get on to get onto their end of the conversation yeah. to listen to what they're saying and reflect on what it means to them instead of reflecting on how you're going to respond to it. One, one thing, and, I, and over the years I've gotten, I've, I've created some little habits, mental habits. When I meet somebody, like I met someone named Mariah uh, this morning. And when I met her, I mm -hmm. said, oh, like Mariah Carey, the singer. Yeah, I like Mariah. Okay, hi. Huh? Yeah, well, well, see, but see, when I left... The place that we were at when we met, I said, it had been 10 or 15 minutes, and I said, bye, Mariah. You know, I remembered her name because I was in – it's like when, right. when people say they're not good at remembering names, I'm not good with names, they're not like – they don't have short-term memory loss. They just aren't intentional about it. Right. They're just, they're just not – right. Yeah. They're yeah. not prioritizing yeah. remembering a name, which you can do. It's not yeah. that hard. I mean, it's just – you just have to try. Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah and, I'm terrible at hitting the brakes. I just keep running into people at <laughs> lights. <laughs> you know? yeah. And the, the truth is, when it comes to names, it sounds kind of superficial because, you know, names are kind of superficial because you're just given to you at birth and whatever. But the truth is, people's names are often the most personal thing they have. And so when, because that's your entire identity revolves around your name for the most part. That's how you respond to everything in life. And so because of that, um, there's actually... Um, uh, there's the the cocktail effect. I think the the the, the uh, like the cocktail bar effect or something like that. And what it what it says is you can be in a bar, a noisy bar that's that's got you know at a million decibels. But if somebody says your name, you'll hear it in spite of that. You can always hear your name from a crowd, no matter how loud it is. And and that's because it's so personal to you. And so when you do remember people's names, it's just a little thing. It's a little thing that makes a really big difference. And I talk a lot about those little, little communication um, changes that we can get better at. But you have to consciously get better at them. Just learning about how to do it doesn't do you any good. It's a skill. Uh, great yeah. communication and connecting with people is a skill like any other skill that you have to work at. And I have to learn and relearn the techniques for myself. I'm no better than anybody right. is. You know, so. But if you work at it, uh, it initially, then it becomes something you don't have to like think about doing. It just becomes right. a habit, and so yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's you key. can definitely drill it in. Okay, yeah. Brian, we well, got about, about okay. Sorry, Rick. You ahead. think about how big of a deal that is. Like, uh, you know, we get embarrassed when we're there's somebody that like, okay, I just met that guy and I can't remember his name. Like, yeah. you ask your wife, like, hey, uh, hey, uh, introduce yourself and maybe he'll give me his because we know that's right. a big deal. Because if right. someone like uh, just met me and then a few minutes later forgot my name i would be slightly offended but i do that all the time yeah. i'm constantly right. doing that well and so. and rick, rick uh, the first 
the end of the first semester of my freshman year, Brian moved to the same college. There was a guy that was across the hall from me, and we had had many like late night conversations and heart to hearts, and you know, like I knew about all his his problems, and we had you know we were very close, and I had no idea what his name was. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like you know what that I. That happened to me in college too, because especially because when it's contextual, when it's somebody in your same dorm or in a class, like maybe you probably like I remember there were people at the end of an entire semester. I sat next to them in a course for an entire six months, and again, like you said, you learn everything about them. And it occurred to me once at the end of a semester, I had never bothered to ask for his name. We just started talking on day one, and then we only ever saw each other in that context. There was no need to call each other by each other's names. And then after that semester. I never saw him again. I couldn't even look him up. I didn't know his name. Right, right. <laughs> it was yeah. brutal. Well, then, like, at the end yeah. of the semester, like- when we're leaving for Christmas, I can't be like, what was your name again? Like, when we're, like, hugging, <laughs> you know? It's like uh, I, I, I help coach one of my kids' baseball teams, and I, I show up for the first day, and it's all these, like, five- and six-year-old kids, and none of them know how to do anything. You're trying to learn the kids' names, and you're trying to – and I don't know you got to hold the bat like this. Well, there's, like, two or three parents that help out, too, and – What the heck the is that noise? Are you about to get run over by a cement truck? A what truck? I hear like, it sounds like a truck is about to run you over. Yep, I'm just driving. But uh, did you hear any of my great story that I was relating, Mark? Sorry. (laughs) I was worried (laughs) about you. Well, like none of the dads that are helping coach this team, none of us have any idea what each other's names are. Because we are consumed, like, during practice with, like, watching the kids, making sure a kid doesn't hit the other one in the face with the bat, making sure they're running the right way, and watching the ball and all this stuff. So we just call each other coach because none of us want to be like, hey, I don't uh, – I know I met you, like, eight weeks ago. What was your name yeah, again? Right. Because it's way too far gone at this point. Yeah. So we just go, coach. hey, uh, coach, why don't you hand me that ball, coach? Hey, I got some uh, – oh, why don't you go head over to second base, coach? So it's it's ridiculous. Well, okay, so, Brian, we are we just got a couple minutes left. Um, I want to respect your time. We do something with every guest. We're going to guess your birthday. Um, oh, yeah. This is a magic trick, Brian. Try yeah. doing this. Yeah. <laughs> We've, I've gotten one, and Rick has gotten one. I got one like two days off, too, so – Collectively, I have. That I'm winning. Quit, ta- quit putting that on your record. That doesn't count. It, it, uh, it was <laughs> close. Nope. Okay, I'll go first. We each, we each get two guesses, and you can't give us any hints. You just have to say yes or no. Okay, February twentieth. No. August twenty-first. No. no <gasps> November thirteenth. No. Dang it. June ninth. <laughs> No. <laughs> what is it? Why are you laughing? July 12th. Oh, July 12th. I'm very clearly the closest. Whatever. So I'm going to put that on my resume, Mark. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't count. All right, well, uh, Brian, we ask, every new guest that comes on the show, we ask them this question, we ambush them at the end, and it is this. What is one thing you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? doesn't have to be magic. One thing, yeah, no, one thing related no, I, to talk I got an answer for that right away. Awesome. I ambushed me, but I, I love so much about life. So um, the thing I enjoy most about life is, uh, is, honestly, is how many different people and perspectives there are out there that are different from your own. Um, I think, and so one of the things that I do, what was the second part of the question? Uh, just, just, that, just one thing. One thing you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? Yeah, so, so that's one thing I enjoy about life is that there are so many different people with different backgrounds and cultures and belief systems and ideologies and languages and ways of looking at the world that are different from your own. And one of the ways that I make life more enjoyable is by finding out about all of those. I talk to people everywhere. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, the talk, I'm the talk to strangers guy. I'm on any plane, in, in a coffee shop, in a restaurant, and I'm on the road alone a lot. I talk to everybody. You cannot believe how much more enriching your life yeah. is. Uh, when you just talk to people. Well, and it's funny too when you start doing that, you you make connections with total strangers. Uh, Absolutely. You're like, oh, your yeah. mom's from there. T- my mom's from there. You know, like just crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then that's when yep. you get to say, "Small world." Um, yeah. Okay. Where can everyone find you? Promote yourself. I know Brian Miller Magic, and that's Brian with an I. But to, where else uh, can people find you, or is that the best place? Yeah, so the best place in terms of a website is brianmillermagic.com. If you're interested in my youth motivational speaking, that's brianmillerspeaks.com. That's for my uh, kind of teen and young adult high school, college motivational speaking. And anybody can find me anywhere on social media at um, at bmillermagic, at bmillermagic. That'll get me on Facebook, Twitter, 
Snapchat, and Instagram. So you can connect with me anywhere you like. Cool. Awesome. Well, Brian, this has been so great. Thank you so much for doing this, especially you got a crazy schedule coming up. Good luck with your crazy schedule. But uh, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for being on. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I would love to do this again sometime. And stay in touch, guys. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Brian. Please go watch this TED Talk. I didn't want to talk about it too much because I didn't want to ruin it, but it is really, I've watched it twice. It's really, really great. I think everyone should watch it, and it's just really cool. He's, he's really good at what he does. Um, the show notes, and you can tweet it and Facebook it out. Yes, it is in the show notes. Um, it's now time for Humans Being Human. Uh, I played played with a guy. Uh, Mar- what? Oh, I, mark that. I uh, I played football with a guy, a little small receiver from from Stanford, uh, uh, Texas. This guy this guy reported at like I don't know five nine hundred and forty, and he ended up being like an all conference receiver, like just an incredible athlete in that story. He's an accountant now. He thinks he's boring, but he's not. He has done great things, and here is one of them. Rick is making the farting noises. Yes. Mark's butthole was making those noises. No, it's not me. no. Uh, Dylan is on the show. Rick, do you do you know Dylan Cobb? Uh, Rick, I don't yes. think we've ever met. I feel like I've heard your name a million yeah, times, Yeah, that's though. probably why. I talk about you a lot. Uh, Dylan's dad was in Sub-T back in the 60s. Just kidding. Maybe that's where Rick, I know 70s. Were you a suburb, Rick? Indeed I was. Well, so Stephen Wadley's my brother-in-law. That's okay. That's where I know your name from. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then my brother was a suburb. You know Kevin Cobb? Yes. Yes. I uh, Kevin was a year ahead of me, maybe two. So well, yeah, that's uh, okay. Okay. So to all the if you, we're, yeah, we're nothing alike. So, uh, <laughs> don't hold me. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> um, I'll hold something against you. Um, everyone out there, uh, Subbers is like the cool kids at the really nerdy school we all went to. Um, so uh, Dylan it has Dylan is an accountant. We're gonna this this segment is gonna be called Dylan the Accountant. Um, so <laughs> you might think he's really boring, but he's not. Um, he's not. He has he has a wealth they, of. They, crazy. Made, a, they made a movie about me. Oh, oh, yeah? What is it called? Sully? The, the Accountant. Oh, right. It's yeah. the, the Sullenberger yeah. movie. <laughs> 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 All right. So, Dylan, I was going... So, there are, few, there are stories that I know about Dylan that we cannot share on the show. Yeah. And so, I'm yes. texting Dylan back and forth yesterday, Rick. I was like, Dylan, you need to be on. You can't tell any of those 12 stories that you've told me. So you need to think of something else. And I think he thought of something <laughs> and side note, Rick, he's a huge Cowboys fan and we want to trade Romo. Just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, I love, I love Tony Romo. Uh, so <laughs> I'm just, I just, I'm just agreeable with Mark. I don't want to fight with Mark. So, so we can trade Romo cause I like Dak too. <laughs> All right, so Dylan, back, uh, set this up for for us. Whatever the, the story is going to be. All right, so the, I guess to start, I'll say that this was kind of a turning point in my life. It's kind of a, it was a big moment in my childhood, but I, I think it was a defining moment in my life. In fact, it's really the the first time that I ever saw real disappointment in my dad's face. Oh, okay. Um, so, stories. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess maybe it's the first time that I really recognized it in him. And so I didn't even get in trouble for this. Um, and, and after you hear the story, you're going to, you're going to wonder why I didn't get in trouble for it. But I think it's because my dad was so disappointed. He didn't even know what to do. Uh, and, and, so, yeah, so, so I was about 10 years old and, uh, had a, of course at 10 years old, you, you guys got into a lot of trouble and, and we did too out in a small town and about two houses down, there was a, uh, we had a neighbor, a widow, a widow, she, and she didn't live at the house anymore. It was vacant. Um, but there was a golf cart that was sitting uh in her garage and of course i could we could get into her garage and take that thing for a joyride but we decided 
10 uh, year olds that uh, she didn't need this golf cart anymore because she lived in a nursing home and she was a widow. So we were just going to take it. That's a very uh, valid make it ours. Yeah. Made well, a valid argument. Why would she need a golf cart? I mean, that's. Exactly. Um, so we took this, one friend of mine, we took this golf cart for a ride. We drove it all over town. Uh, one of the funny things is we did drive by a policeman. He was driving the opposite direction. And uh, we, we quickly turned from the road we were going into into someone's barn. Of course, like I said, we live out in the, out in the country. So we, were, we drove into somebody's barn to get away from them. We ultimately flipped the cart and broke the top off of it. So we decided to just go ahead and take the top off. And, and then we had a brilliant idea that we would, we would paint the golf cart. Because if you take the top off and you paint it, you're cool. No one's gonna. Well, no one's gonna know, right? Um, yeah, that's no, another valid point. No one's gonna know that uh, that it's the same golf cart, and and I'm sure you know. Back then, we didn't have we didn't have phones, so we don't have pictures of the golf cart. I wish I knew what that thing looked like. I'm sure we did a, a bang up job on the paint job, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't remember what color it was. I, I can't That's say. why your dad was so disappointed. He's like, son, there's brush strokes all over this thing. What is the matter? <laughs> you idiot. Oh, but the funny part about it is, um, so we had a third friend, and we went to pick him up. Uh, the, the two of us, we dropped by, we picked him up, we did some more joyriding on this uh, freshly painted golf cart. Uh, and then... You know, at the end of the day, we decided, well, it's time to go home. It's, we have to figure out something to do with this golf cart. So we decided, in our uh, generosity, the first two of us, we decided to give it to the third guy. Because we didn't need it anymore. We had, we'd gotten use out of it. So we were just going to give it to him. And then we went back home. And uh, it wasn't 30 minutes later that my dad called me into the room he had just gotten a phone call from the third friend great his he he had asked his dad hey dad uh can we can we keep this golf cart in the garage and his dad said well where in the world did you get a golf cart well dylan gave it to me (laughs) (laughs) so he calls your dad he's like hey uh, why you sure you want dylan wants to you want to, Dylan will give his golf cart away? <laughs> exactly. Painted golf cart with the top ripped off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. So he went and looked at the golf cart and realized there was something up. So they started. The the second guy actually, uh, he we while we were riding, we saw somebody who we knew, uh, and and the second guy got caught by this guy. Uh, as we were riding, I, I just kept going. I didn't stop, but he stopped. And and uh, that guy asked him who he was, and he, he gave him the name of his own cousin. And so there, we we built a tangled web, and before long, about 30 minutes later, of course, in the small town, the whole town knows what's going on because they're calling all around, figuring out uh, what's going on with this golf cart. And uh, um, so... It, needless to say, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell the truth at first and I, I'm, I can't remember exactly what I told my dad, but man, Found I remember. After, yeah, yeah, exactly. I Found remember. A random golf cart over by the, by the, by the hauler and we took it and ripped the top off of it. <laughs> the hauler. <laughs> so I remember, like I said, at that moment, um, he once he put all the pieces together, figure out where we got it. You know, I told him where it was. He had to call the the son of this lady uh, and <laughs> and apologize to her. And I'm sure my dad had to pay for it. I mean, I don't. I, I haven't even asked my dad. We talked about it since then, but I didn't ask who paid for the golf cart. I, I don't know those details. I guess I should follow up with, yeah, you, uh, should with you guys. That up and, now, like uh, 25 years later, you should maybe figure out. I think the statute of limitations is over. You're not going to be arrested for it. Exactly. I, I think the yeah, statute of limitations. Do what? I, I think the uh, your problem here was you widened the loop. 
just just too, yeah, slightly yeah. too wide. There's one thing I learned from getting in trouble for crapping in that guy's room when I was in college. It's that you can't <laughs> widen the loop too yeah. too wide. It has to stay very fairly narrow. Well, you know the the minds of ten year olds to think that we could take the top off and paint it, and no one would be the wiser. Uh, <laughs> We we learned a, a lesson there, uh, but uh, yeah, that's that was uh, one of my uh, one of my my best. I, I have I have plenty more, but that was one of my more uh, embarrassing, uh, idiotic. Rick, have you, Rick, have you ever uh, stolen a golf cart and joy rode joy roaded in a in a golf cart? False joy ridden, not joy roaded. Joy roaded. No, I have not. I can proudly say that the only time I've ever driven a golf cart was when I was actually playing golf. And by playing golf, I mean getting really drunk over like four hours and throwing a bunch of golf balls in the woods. <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh, let's see, the fall before my junior year, I had a toolbox truck key. And it, it, it like somehow fit all of the golf carts, the whole fleet yeah. of golf carts that like ACU police had. And, oh man! Yeah, and me and Ian. You remember Ian, my roommate, Dylan? You remember Dude. Ian? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we we uh, took mini golf carts. We left. We would leave them in the middle of the football practice field with the reverse in reverse. So the little cars out there going beep, <laughs> like the noise, and we never got caught. It was uh, it was pretty scary. You're a real piece of crap, Mark. Yeah. You're a real bad person. Yeah, I know. Police golf carts. Yep. Yep. Idiot. Well. I- I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a real quick golf cart story. So, uh, in in Stanford, the golf cart, the, the golf course that we had, uh, where everybody would store their golf carts, uh, you could get into the the shed. You could get into your uh, area. You could get into everybody else's too. So you could drive one golf golf cart for six or eight hours until it went dead. And then you could plug it back in and go drive somebody else's golf cart for another six or eight hours. So um, we we may have done that a time or two as well. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dylan, we are out of time. Quite a few golf cart shenanigans, Dylan. Like I feel like maybe you should feel like some sort of restraining order from you and coming within a certain feet of a golf cart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely didn't play golf on it, so uh, had to do something on the golf cart. Well, uh, this comes out on Monday, and we can say for sure the Cowboys did not lose this weekend, uh, even though we're recording this on Friday uh, because it's a bye week. So, uh, and uh, other exciting news: uh, we don't have to start the game late. Well, we'll talk about that. Rick, I'm watching the Sunday night game at his house. Um, oh well. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Awesome. So, Dylan, thank you for being on the show, and uh, go yeah. crunch some numbers, you accountant. <laughs> Thank you, Dylan, the accountant. You can find Dylan at accountant at dylan.org. You can find him at internet.com. <laughs> All right. It's now time for the same tip of the week, something you can start doing today to become a more healthy human. It's something we talked about with Brian, and it is going to be make a conscious effort to remember people's names that you meet. I, I have got to start doing this, yeah. man. When he said this, I was like, man, he's talking directly at me because yeah. I am the worst and I'm, at it. And I'm telling you and people. it's so embarrassing. It's incredibly embarrassing. I'm like t- I had to ask, like we talked about the kids baseball team that I help coach, and I had to ask this dude's kid. I was like, "Hey, uh, so what's your dad's name?" Like all creepy <laughs> and weird. And like, looks at me, I was like, oh, "Sorry." Uh, oh my gosh, that's funny. Uh, he's like, uh, "Dad." Yeah, I just call him daddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I'm telling you, there, everybody in the world almost will say, "Oh, I'm terrible with names." That's not an excuse. Like you can say that if you have like sh- like short term memory loss, like your Dora, you just Dory. got a massive concussion, yeah, then you like, have passed. Otherwise, so you can you can do better. You can try, you know, and so and do it. Like I said, with the thing, like the Mariah thing. Like somebody says, "Oh, my name is uh, Ryan." You can say, "Oh, I got a, a buddy who's got a son named Ryan," or "My brother in law's named Ryan." Say something back to them about their okay. name. Oh, that's a pretty name. Tell me the background of that name. I met a guy named. Uh, Oh, I forgot it. I forgot it. It was something like Polish. It was like Haksha or something crazy. And I was like, 
I was like, explain, tell me about the, the history. Hang on, hang on. Your tip is to remember people's names, and now you can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you would have uh, picked up on that a little quicker. Uh, hey, just tell me, ask me anything about the Mavs. I know everything about the Mavs. <laughs> Who do they play tonight? I don't know. The hell should I, I know? <laughs> so that's the tip. Like every person you meet, make a conscious effort to like think about their name, like and drill it in there. Make like like spell their name out on their shoulder and imagine it like lifting off of their shoulder, like Charles Richard Bentley off of his shoulder. Something crazy. Do well, something. My full name, so people can look up my credit history and stuff. Yeah, uh, the, the Charles Richard Bentley the second, junior. No, no, no just the first. I wish you had named one of your sons Charles Richard. I don't Mm. Come on, man! I did that. We veered into a very interesting direction here. Name talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's going to do it, right? So let's uh, go to the website simplymystyle.com. You can find us online at simplyhuman52. Call us five three zero forty human. Give us money uh, at simplymystyle.com slash store or in the show notes. There's a donate now button. Um, if you have a humans being human story, email us, and you can either just like tell us the whole email or give us a few keywords, and we Take can. Me. What? Tidbits. You can give us some tidbits. Oh, tidbits. I think it's real. You kind of Shut up, Mark. Sorry. Uh, okay, so I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Simply Podcast. And remember... I played played with a guy... Uh, Mar- what? <laughs> I- Mark that! So until next time, you should say something.